podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sissoko finally waited. Ericsson, low, great ball into the middle. What a save by Heaton. Tonight's Davison Sanchez, Lucas Moura. And belted into the net, brilliant goal. On debut, Tungay Ongombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London! That is absolutely incredible on debut! Oh, yay! What a finish for 3-2 from Serge Aurier! Kane, good area for Spurs. Kane's not afraid to shoot. Wow, what a goal, Harry Kane. That is exceptional. Try and place it. Wonderfully taken by Eric Lamella. Never afraid to take on a shot, and with good reason. Terry in the Burnley back line, Minson breaks forward. Oh wow, what a run. Yen Minson from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. Good evening or welcome. So whenever you're listening or watching this, um, it's another NSO pod. I've already pre-named it No Goalsman. No Goalsman, however, however you want to pronounce it without me botching it. I'll be your host for this stream and pods tonight, uh, X-Pac, joined by Booker T. Uh, how you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, bro. I'm good. Um, always unhappy to be on talking about this rubbish football club. But here we are. Fair enough, fair enough. I thought you wanted to talk about basketball. I think, I think that's a... <laughs> I thought that was a basketball vest or a jersey. <laughs> Something that like jersey? that. It's a jersey, yeah. Damn. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people talk about basketball right now. And uh, yeah, maybe maybe that's a good escapism, good distraction. I'm not into it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Even though, uh, yeah, it's tempting. It's tempting. <laughs> Mate, I, I don't actually know what to address first because we're actually coming off a win. We're coming off a win, which feels like ages ago. Um we we beat Crystal Palace at home. Ryan Mason made a few tweaks, made us four four two on the ball. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward to today. Um, it's a load of kind of media prop for and against Nagelsmann, um, and us being interested in him. And he seems to have been ruled out as a candidate for the time being. Um, it's it's seen a massive um reaction, and you, you could call it another meltdown, probably on on Spurs Twitter. But what are your kind of initial thoughts on it? Because even our own group chat has been blown up. I spent probably about half an hour listening to voice notes before we came on here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what were your initial thoughts? Initial disappointment. Uh, I'll be honest. Initial disappointment. Um, I feel like. Uh, time and time again, um, big decisions at the top end of the football club um, are required to be made. And um, it, there doesn't seem to be decision-making that I think is for the interest of the football club, um, taking into account the players and taking into account um, us as fans, um, which I think is really disappointing. Um, I I personally 
I think that Spurs know exactly what they're doing with this because this is uh, a club who have been without manager for quite a little while now. Um, and we've been looking at a number of different managers, including uh, Julian Nagelsmann, who is actually one of the managers who doesn't have a position at the moment. And I feel like um, the onus is really, has really been on us to make um, ourselves look uh, a, um, a decent or a attainable prospect as a football club. Um, you know, with lots of different things that we have in place at the moment that I think are positive, but also lots of negatives. Um, and I feel like uh, based on the history that we've seen with, with Nagelsmann, teams he's managed, the styles that he's employed, um, everything that comes with him, you know, it kind of feels like something that I feel that we should have made happen. And um, not only have we not made it happen, but for some odd reason, um, the media seem to be feeding us this narrative that um, Nagelsmann wasn't the right fit or uh, the right type of coach or manager for us, which I think is quietly hilarious. Because if we look back at our most positive time, which was under Pochettino, one of the biggest pros we had with Pochettino was that he was first and foremost a coach. Um, he spoke heavily about how important it was to lock into the detail of what you're doing on a weekend at the at the games in training. And he was a very good man management um, in terms of how he how he managed different personalities and also improved players um, during his time as a coach. And then you look at some of the quotes that you see from Nagelsmann in terms of some of the high-profile players that he has had an influence on, um, players such as Serge Gnabry, and how he almost has a similar mantra to Pochettino in that he feels that man management is as important as what goes on on the pitch. Um, so for us to now turn around and say, after three or four years and 30-odd million or however many million we've spent on a manager manager wages in a somewhat win-now fashion, for us to maybe revert back to type, um, to a manager who, who I think would be not revolutionary, but more so uh, it would be something away from how we've been doing things. Um, for us to turn around and say, he's not the right fit, it's kind of baffling. And not only is it baffling, then it makes me makes me really question what do the club think is the right fit? Having had Mourinho and um, Conte, in my opinion, um, in an overall position in terms of what they did fail. I want to just pour a little bit of cold water on it before I uh, tag in Kevin Nash, who's just joined. Um, Yo, or sorry, just saying, kind man? of give my like initial perspective on this whole Nagelsmann news, where like the the shameless media prop and the leaks kind of distancing ourselves from Nagelsmann, us making out that we weren't as interested in Nagelsmann as people made out, and we kind of moved away from it. It's timely because obviously there's news of Pochettino advancing talks with Chelsea and we seem to be reactive in the media as per um, Kulizewski the day before and the rumours surrounding him, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, 
given the whole kind of Nagelsmann thing at the moment, I and even the manager situation, like I, I just don't think much has changed. I've accepted the fact we're probably not going to hire a manager until probably a couple of weeks after the season ends. Although ideally, I would have liked to have seen someone come in around now. Um, yeah, I just think at this point, like. Fabrizio pretty much almost tweeted it as well as if to say we're still looking to see what Tottenham's project actually is and see what aligns with the coaches they're even going to be going for. And that kind of stems from hiring a director of football first, which I still think is a slightly higher priority at this point in time over hiring a manager. And obviously we're not going to be able to hire any manager, even if it's someone who's got a much kind of lesser known reputation than an Eaglesman. If we if we haven't got a director of football, we just can't do it. So it's quite well known, I think, in the football world at the moment, how aimless we've been recently and how chaotic we've been. I think only Chelsea and Man United um have probably been as aimless or more aimless than us. And we can only kind of set that template where we can almost try and copy and paste the template that Pot set out for us in a director of football to then try and translate that football idea throughout the club and onto a new manager. But um, it's it's looking unlikely. And I don't even like some of the candidates we've been rumoured to get in terms of a director of football. I saw this this Roma guy come up earlier and I'm looking at their football idea and the profile of players they've been signing recently. I'm like, that doesn't really fit to what we want at the moment. That that kind of goes along the, along the lines of what we've been doing post-Poch already when we're supposed to be moving in, in a different direction just to be a more progressive club. So... I generally I just don't think much has changed other than just these leagues have come out now just kind of <coughs> stating what's going on a little bit more but um Cy si, I'll tag you in Kevin Nash welcome um you've had a lot to say in the group chat so far you've sent a fair few voice notes what are your thoughts, man? Forgive me, forgive me. Ah, oh, man, where to begin? I think I think you made a good point about uh, not much changing, and I think that that for me is a, an apt place to start. The fact of the matter is, is Nagelsmann or no Nagelsmann, for me there are just fundamental things that bother me about the PR nightmare that is Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, if Nagelsmann is in a position where he says the direction at the football club is not clear enough for me to join, fair enough. Him rejecting us is its own isolated thing. Us saying that it's not him rejecting us, it's us not being interested, is where some of the problems lie. First and foremost, we haven't been proactive in any sense during this debacle to actually source what it is that we want the outcome to be, what the identity is, what style we want to employ, even how we want to go about procuring the right pieces to make it happen. We've had nothing in the way of direction from the moment that Conte left. 
And that's where the that's where the issues are. It doesn't matter if it's Nagelsmann or one of the plethora of other candidates. We just haven't been proactive or direct enough to actually figure out how we're going to solve the myriad of problems that we have. And that that for me is the main crux of the issue. It's like how many times do we have to go through this same process? First time when Conte rejected us, it was the same thing. It's like, you guys won't let me bring all of my coaches. Why are we haggling over that type of shit? Just let somebody come in and have the infrastructure they need to be successful. Like Ten Hag, the, the reports are that he had too many ideas. So we rejected that too. It's like, yo, what? What is the point at this point? Like, honestly, I'm 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 absolutely baffed, absolutely baffed. Yeah, it's it's a case of like um, just just seeing what we can do in terms of just where we go with this director of football and you know how proactive we are being behind the scenes, like. I know um, Levy and um, what's his name were pictured at London City Airport not that long ago, allegedly going to visit Nagelsmann or whoever. Um, they must have been travelling somewhere looking to do a little something in terms of us getting a director of football or manager. Um, I just think there's just a bit of... Um, <sighs> it just seems a bit off and what the fans priorities are like it it's not all fans I don't want to generalize uh, Spurs Twitter too much but I just feel like too much hope is again being put on a new manager whereas I think when we sign or when we do eventually hire a new manager there's going to be a huge emphasis on getting the players that the manager specifically wants and again I think we've tried that to a fair extent with our last two managers. Well, last three, but last two major managers in Mourinho and Conte, apart from like the setback positions. But we need to sign players within mind which align to our football idea and actually fall into um, a continuity plan. If this manager was to leave, we're going to bring in a manager with a similar football idea who's players can still function in the same kind of structure so yeah it's it's just I think I think more emphasis needs to be put on how Levy looks to restructure the club from the top you, as a football operator think... and hiring a director of football go a long way to that but again I'm just seeing a lot of emphasis on what manager we bring in at the moment and it's it's not going to fix much whoever we bring in at this point. Has the order of proceedings in terms of whether or not you get a manager or a director of football, do they do they have to be director of football first in order for it to work? Because from my perspective, at our best, under Pochettino, it wasn't about the order of who came in first. It was about them having a very clear brief, a very clear identity, a shared philosophy, and then basically building that throughout the full infrastructure of the club. So from the way that we manage our facilities to the dietitians to the physios, to even the way the, the grass was cut, like everything had like 
a very specific remit of what they were trying to achieve. And that then trickled into not only the on-pitch product, but the recruitment and all of it came together quite nicely. Pochettino didn't just work with Paul Mitchell. I'm pretty sure Baldini was around during a stint while uh, Pochettino was there too, or whoever whoever took over once Paul Mitchell picked up his ball and went. So I don't necessarily feel like one has to happen before the other, and especially in the case of the director of football. I just think we have to accept the fact that Daniel Levy cannot be the person making football in decisions outside of the thing that gets the ball rolling. Like he can choose who the director of football is. He can choose who the manager is. But then from that point forward, there needs to be somebody else pulling the strings and calling the shots from a footballing perspective. And that's what that, that mun geezer was supposed to be. So it, it again, it's just makes no sense. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. And Scott Mann, um, from what we've heard, doesn't even sound like an expert in football operations. We do have a head of methodology who's tasked with aligning the, the first team squad with the youth teams. Um, time will tell what kind of job he'll do. And um, with size point on a manager like Pochettino coming in and he pretty much gave the club its own identity and his own identity um, really, really quickly. I guess you could maybe even be tempted to pivot back towards Poch. I don't know what you think about that, Tops. As in pivot back to him like physically or pivot back like metaphorically as in the type of danger Um, that Poch is? Well, the idea, I think, was metaphorically before, but with um, just an actual different I mean, person. Like, but now he's uh, on the verge of joining Chelsea. Like, I think, like, a lot of um, Spurs fans are stressed as well. Like, I, ideally, we want someone who wants to be in charge of Spurs, and Pochettino's been desperate for that. Like, would you be tempted at all to snare him back away from Chelsea? Um, If... If the opportunity arose and um, it became something that was actually feasible for him, um, I feel like him almost uh, trying to push himself back into contention and not even given the day the day of light is an interesting one because for all for all this time that we've been waiting to hear um, waiting to hear about the Nagelsmann situation. We didn't really hear very much, uh, and from the from the offset, it was very much Pochettino's not included. Pochettino's not included. Um, so to some to somewhat turn back round um, with our tails between our legs and try and ensnare him from Chelsea, um, I'm not sure. I feel like he's a bit of a prideful man, um, and I feel as well that maybe a, to an even extent, I don't even think uh, leave. Levy's ego would even allow him to do such at this point. One too many ski trips away yeah. together, then maybe. Yeah, I, I don't think it's worth even. Man, there's a reason X is X, is bro. <laughs> preach, brother, preach. Yeah, I, I don't even know where to go from here. Like it, it just seems 
emphasise now more than ever how aimless we are. Um, you got the Kulizewski rumours which have resurfaced, and like I, I'm still pretty certain that we've got the whole agreement with Juventus that it's a mandatory thing that we have to pay. But I feel like Kulizewski probably still has a choice. Um, but again, at the same time, for some reason, he actually seems happy here. Um, I just wouldn't be surprised if he was to to go somewhere else. I'm sure he'd have plenty of suitors. Uh, are we worried at all about losing Kulizewski? I'm more worried about losing Kulizewski than Harry Kane. Fair. <laughs> that that's 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 my God's honest. Uh, assessment. I might get flamed for it, but as far as I'm concerned, Kulisevsky presents a fresh start for the football club in the same manner that so many before him have. And when things get this bad from a sort of managerial and sort of structural uh, standpoint, you need young players who are of high upside to make you feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So losing him would be a bitter, bitter blow to that because then then what? We bring Jed Spence back and we have to go through that shit again. Or we get uh, Brian Hill back and we we, <laughs> we start pitching him as uh, the second coming of fucking, uh, what's his name? Noel Gallagher or some shit. Like, uh, like nah, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> not with it, man. Like... We need to maintain the younger talent. We need to maintain the guys that have actually uh, rejuvenated the squad. If we don't, then same old shit, really. Like, trying to beat a dead horse until it kicks. Like, no point. Mm. Yeah, I'm not surprised you said you were more scared of losing uh, because you would be Harry Kane. Um Slight segue into an interview he's been doing, and he's done quite a few, um, done quite a few pieces recently where he's been very outspoken. And yeah, he's tried to, I think I said just now, but just be front and center in this moment of like aimlessness and crisis. And I was going to go to tops before, um, I think he got sidetracked there, but yeah, I'll be interested to hear on. Uh, you guys' thoughts about what Harry Kane's been doing recently? Because I finally, finally seen him angry and try and uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Just try and take the ball by the horns. If that's a pause, well, pause. But yeah, tops. What are your initial thoughts on? Well, your, just your general thoughts on kind of Kane's attitude recently and his kind of outspokenness because what well, he was. So pissed after that Liverpool game. I was sitting there watching like Sidious when he's antagonizing in Star Wars, just like rubbing my hands together, just laughing evenly to myself. I'm like, finally, like I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on it because uh, in in many respects he's done his job uh, this mm. season. Um I think I wouldn't say I wouldn't say he's been a model professional. Um, but I feel like in terms of what's been required of him and him doing what he's paid to do, absolutely. Um, he's been way out, way out in front in terms of uh, playing to a really high standard and doing exactly what we require of him to do. But again, like I've, I just feel like this notion 
of, oh, the club's culture needs to improve or, you know, we need to be better in moments. Brother, you've been part of this. Like, you, you've, been, you've been here the whole time. Like, so if you're saying this stuff, you must inadvertently also mean yourself. And I think it's so difficult. I think it's so easy for us to turn around and say, yeah, right. You know, he scored however many goals he scored and he's captained the team and he's won golden boots. But at the end of the day, if you are part of that, you cannot suddenly farm out that responsibility to others about the culture. At the end of the day, what is a culture of a team? A culture of a team is the general morale of a team. It is a style that the, that the team kind of enforces on the pitch. It is how the team carry themselves on and off the pitch. And it's also an embodiment of what us fans want us to be. If he's saying that the culture must improve, then why didn't why is he still a loser? If he wants us, if he wants us to stop losing, then he should perform better so we don't lose. I, I, I mean, sometimes it's so funny when I'm hearing him say this because, like, as much as I think he's an excellent player and he's been a great servant to the football club, like stuff like this, you can't run from. You you can't run from it. You can't because you're included. It's different if every single time you're looking at certain man and saying this player's not good enough. This manager's done this. This manager's done that. But I, I just feel like I, I don't know. I feel it's a little bit hypocritical for him to sit there and say this stuff when he's been like, especially through the good and the bad, he's been there. He's been there. So like him talking out now, I don't know. Like it, it kind of. I think he's good, and I think it's important that he talks out because he is someone who's extremely senior at the football club. But I also think it's interesting and somewhat timely because he could almost be construed as being preparing fans for his eventual, um, you know, uh, time to go because he's kind of been voicing his opinion on how he's felt and how he feels the club's going. I think you're pretty certain he's staying this summer though, right? Well, in my opinion, like, Mm. I I think personally he is staying. Like, I, I look at it and I think to myself, you're about to collect the biggest bag of your life you have just, you think you're about to have another child and more than likely you're going to continue as the captain at this club. Well, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> would you, would you, like, like, it's so funny, this, this notion, oh, he could go somewhere else. Like, he ain't, I'm not, no one's going to change my mind on Kane if he goes to Bayern and wins a fucking Bundesliga. That's not changing my opinion of him. So, he can either do that in England and try win with Spurs. He can even get, even go to United, but then he's got to change. He's got to change, change cities, and he's got to hope that they play in a way that absolutely suits him. And it's not always going to work. You you can even look at, you can look at examples where it kind of did and kind of didn't. Everyone looked at Torres and was like, Torres is a well beater. Let him go Chelsea. Let me let him bang there. Didn't happen. You look at Van Persie. Van Persie went to United. He only banged for one season, and they won the title. Like it's not mm-hmm. an it's not an absolute guarantee. That if this happens, oh, suddenly it's going to, you know. And I think for him, the reason I also think is he's going to say is because it's such a pivotal pivotal time in his career. I genuinely feel this. I think it's, it's just been interesting to gauge some of his um, outspoken interviews recently just to see if he's just playing up to what the fans want to hear or is he being like really, really sincere. To me, I lean towards him actually being sincere and showing a little bit of dog purely because he's looking for excuses to stay 
but he just doesn't want to stay in an app like a full shit show. Like he still wants his goals. He no, still wants think... his goals. And to be able to score goals, the team have to actually be able to provide some kind of platform and create for him. Um, yeah, at the same time, obviously he does care about the club a bit. Um, but he's looking for excuses to say because he knows he's going to be the man here and he's probably going to get his... his probably his best chance at breaking the Premier League scoring record. Hey, listen, he he looks like a man that's resigned himself to being in this abusive relationship for the rest of his life, right? And in order to make that palatable, he needs to feel loved and respected by the fans who treat him as if he is infallible, right? And... For me, Tops hit the nail on the head. He has been part of the culture of underachieving, yep. failure, some may say, uh, near misses, the Spursy culture from day dot. Like, Harry, Harry Kane is a fantastic football player, right? But Harry Kane is not a player who deserved the world as soon as he popped out of his mother. Like, he's not a Lionel Messi. He's not a, a Neymar. He's not an Mbappe, like he's not one of those gifted, gifted talents that only come around once in every three generations. Like he's, he was never perceived as that. Right. So for him, hard work has been the precedent. And I feel like he's drank his own Kool-Aid for quite some time. And now he's realized that he's not going to get a big move to see. He's not going to go anywhere else in, in, in the Prem because there's not really anywhere else that's any more stable than Spurs anyway. So it's like, while I'm here, let me collect my check, let me get my goal bonuses, let me wear that armband now that Larice is here, and ultimately let me play up to the, the fan base. Right? Let me let me mirror their frustration. Because for me, what what is different from now than uh when Jose left? What, what, what is different? Why didn't we hear the same sort of visceral desire to have that dog in him? Like, why didn't we hear that then? Why didn't we hear that towards the end of Poch's era? Like, he's been linked with a move every summer since since he started to bang. The only difference now is the fan base are more vocal than they've ever been. And Harry Kane doesn't want to be the on the receiving end of it. So I think this is some mm. self-serving, self-serving pageantry bullshit, to be perfectly honest. I don't really believe a word of it. Yeah, he has been absolving himself of blame for for a few years now, I agree with that. I think he's starting to try and shoulder it now, whether it's too little, too late, or insincere or sincere. Remains to be seen. He's got to be consistent with this energy from now until the end of his Spurs career for me to fully believe it. Because while I think he's been sincere now, we've seen him sort of be like this before and it goes a little bit to the left again. When um when the team are performing badly, um, but yeah, maybe maybe he'll continue to be more consistent with it. Now he's gonna have the captain's armband because, like you touched upon, Loris has uh, apparently had um, an offer from a team in the Saudi league, which would look to triple his wages and 
if I'm if I'm correct, that country probably has strict drinking laws as well, which would be <laughs> like rehab for him. So <laughs> to triple his to triple his salary and you know, being a nice, nice, comfortable environment for him, nice, comfortable, sober environment, I think that'll be good. Hey, I man, think it'll be I, good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold my breath, man. We've on triple the salary, you can go to a neighboring com- country drink and make it for game day so oh mate this guy get him gone man uh he's got he's got to go man like one part of me was like even you know what man guy's been here for for about 10 years let's keep him on as as a goalkeeping coach i don't even think he can do that i i don't even think he can even do that at this point He's, he's down tools he's down tools like and this is what the one thing as well that I don't like about this is that see the way this man has behaved. It's an embodiment of of how we are as a football club. This guy has supposed to have been our unfaltering leader, our unfaltering captain. <clears throat> we get packed. We get absolutely bland. This man doesn't come back for the half. This man says, I'm injured. I'm not playing for the rest of the season. Like, that's, Allegedly. The, kind, Allegedly. that's the kind of accountability that we've continued throughout this club for the last, whatever we, whatever we want to say, five, eight years. And to be honest with you, it reads to the kind of person he is as well. And, I, I, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm absolutely okay with that. But if that's the case, then brother... Don't come back. <laughs> I'm good. Like, I'm actually good. Because, like, the minute I started to be like, rah, I think I want Forster to start over this guy. That's when I thought, hey, man, I might be done. And like, I'm, I'm all for, you know, the guy's been a servant, fantastic goalkeeper. But the way this brother's fallen off. No, nah, man. No, nah, man. I, I don't know, man. Don't know, man. Just forced to have to go this summer as well. No, no, I'm not even no, I, no, because I think we need to actually get a replacement goalkeeper. And to be honest with you, you know, as much as uh, I'm all for the academy dons, Brennan Austin ain't making it. Um, <laughs> he, let's just let's just be fair, like Harvey Whiteman. These men are not; they're not doing it. So you might as well keep this guy in. He's gonna. He's, he 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 seems to have been a good replacement. And if a guy comes in then fine. Then we've got two. But I'm telling you, like, there's no situation where I see is positive for us if Lloris stays this season, uh, next season. There's, like, none. There's actually a slight blessing, and um, I'm, I was just about to touch off on this, and I'm glad Papa Papa Blankson asked this question. Are you happy with the goalkeeper links? Um, I read him out. I actually made a little list with um, who've been linked with. There's actually a decent-ish pool. There's that Omar Dashvili, who plays for Valencia. Um, I think Pickford's just going to get in, like inevitably linked because we're absolutely on our knees for homegrown talent. Pause. Emmy Martinez as well. Um, a lot has been made of that Diego Costa, who plays at Porto, although he'd be big money, I'm sure. Um, David Raya seems like the safest choice. 
And then you've got Bono, who's at Sevilla, and Lafont, who's been rumoured as well. Like, is there any kind of standout names for you guys where it's just like, okay, this is definitely like someone who can, you know, be a safe pair of hands, literally? And so the only one that the only one that moves me is Raya. Yeah, yeah. Um, Emmy Martinez is 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 is. Uh, tied over goalkeeper at this point. Like, I just realised as well, if we got Emmy Martinez, that would surely be like spitting on Loris's grave if we just replaced Loris with <laughs> Emmy Martinez. <laughs> I mean, if, if if Tottenham Hotspur Football Club go down the Jordan Rosie Cheek Pickford route. No, big mess. Big mess up. Um, you will not see me at Tottenham Hotspur Football Club Stadium. <laughs> You will not. You will not. Oh, man. I've already got a bit of a thing about uh, short keepers, right? But short keepers who also have ADHD is, is nah. It's a, what's yeah, it it's a recipe for disaster, as we've seen over the last couple of years. So, no, nah, no thanks. Um, <laughs> And I think with Raya as well, he counts as homegrown. Yeah. Um, because of his, uh, his training. So, I mean, he's not like... The one thing with Raya as well that I think, or actually two things I think is really good is that one, he's homegrown and two, um, he's at a good age where he's got Premier League experience and he's just about to get into the, in the, the international team as well. So I feel like there's a player with a lot of room for development and I think in goalkeeping years as well, it's about the right time. Um, I think that would be a, a good step for him without there being too much pressure because um, Brentford have, you know, he's done quite well at Brentford, and I feel like um, the the pressure to then to go to a team that maybe would require Champions League or <clears throat> um, top top performances to start with would maybe be um, maybe be a lot. But again, it's it's a difficult one to difficult one to judge because I feel like when we signed Loris, Loris was a really good young youngish goalkeeper with not too much hype behind him. And actually, he was able to build his career quite well. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I think it was Jack that made a good point in the comments that if we do decide to take up the Kulizewski option, that would mean we're finalising two deals in the summer that like joint cost of around $90 million, I think it is. Um, I yep. think it's closer to what, like 75 Put Poro 40 and then... Kulizewski another 30, 35. But yeah, um, it just means we can't spend... I don't think we can allocate too much money on a new keeper as desperately as we need one because we need new centre-backs as well. So it's... it's, I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure is going into his last year. Good. Good. Do you you know what? I may be wrong. I think Brentford, they were smart. They may have given him a new contract um, or something like an extension to pump up the price if he does want to be sold. I, I'm, cool. I remember. I remember thinking this is odd, but okay, yeah. Pickford, it is then. Come on, the boys. Um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Um, I don't no, think it was linked to goalkeepers, but. Sorry, forgive, forgive me. He is. He has got a year. Um, he's he's got a year on his contract. Yeah, just just one year. He goes into his last year this summer. 
they surely can't ask for more than thirty million then. Yeah. I'd like to think. We've been fleeced before, my guy. We sure have. We <laughs> sure have. Um we will have no idea who what well, what centre backs will sign. What I was gonna say was we'll have no idea what we'll make from player sales. Um that'll be another interesting and yet crucial thing. Again, which we seem to talk about every year. Um a lot of talk about Lee Kang as well, like James Watkins says, uh, Mark Gehi. Where we talk about centre backs, I'm just not sold on Gehi. Like I'm not sure how good he is on the wall. I'm sure he's adequate, but I've seen him dunked on by Spurs and it gives me the ick when we dunk on players. Especially this season where we've just not been good. Like a lot of people have now been pivoting to Ruben Amarim as a manager at Spurs, whereas like I don't think they play progressive or good football games at all. Like Glasner has just lost his well, not lost his job, but he said he's departing Frankfurt at the end of the season. They provided Spurs with their best performances in the Champions League this year. And again, we were poor. So those two names aren't kind of on my radar. I guess I'll uh, swerve back to the manager conversation again quickly before uh, we kind of close out with a Aston Villa-ish prediction. Um, is there any other names other than Nagelsmann that are kind of uh, intriguing you? Because I, I can't lie, I'm not overly moved by Glasner. I'm not moved at all, really, by Amarim. I was... Looking at Xavi Alonso, and I was about to say I did some more research into him. I was listening to a View from the Lane podcast, and they highlighted that he's been without uh, Florian Wirtz and Patrick Schick for most of the season. Took them over when they were in the relegation zone. Then I like sick. Um, with those two players missing, that's not bad. It doesn't move me, but it's definitely not bad. Um, and then you've got Arn Schlott, who seems to be doing a really good job. Company was someone who I was actually getting intrigued about, and then he signed a new contract at Burnley. Uh, option pool uh, is getting it's getting a bit smaller. Postoglu, mm-hmm. Postacoglu, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm I not haven't really to seen much of him to be honest. I, I looked at his Champions League run at Celtic. Um, I mean, if you're going by Rogers or Gerard winning the Spanish, this, uh, this this Scottish league, then him winning it is um, like um, putting a fish in water. Uh, it's just the norm. So uh, at this point, the the list is very, very, it's very short. Um, There's been another name on um, people's lips today. He's um. He's actually a musical artist as well, so do you know who I'm going to say? <laughs> no. Do you not? He's dropped a new album and apparently it's really, really good. UK artist. <laughs> now, imagine the arc versus oh, you're Chelsea's Pontino. Do you know what? You're funny. You know, because... I've sorted it! <laughs> because, because in my head, I was just like... The arc would actually be sick. If, if we don't get... Mm-hmm. If, we, if, 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 we don't, if we don't get Nagelsmann, right... I I will laugh if we end up with like Potter or Rogers. I will honestly laugh if we do. Um, 
Yeah, I think we're probably more likely to hire Mason full time, which I don't like at that's, all. But that's I'm crazy. slightly, I am slightly moved by slot. I'm just not sure how adaptable he is to play his ideal four three three with this Spurs team. I'm with Toby on the on the idea we can't have a bald man. Bad enough as provide a good reference point for that. To be fair. Hey, right, listen. I've I've been I've been calling Tobes a bald prick. I've been calling uh, Daniel Levy a bald c word, and I'm bald too. So another one to that list. Like, I don't think. I, do I think I think for me, for me, I don't really care. I do not care who it is, as long as there's a plan. As long as there's a plan, and at this point. It doesn't look like there's a plan, so I don't think anyone's going to move me, right? But I'll give anyone a chance as long as they're not uh, Make-A-Wish Mason. Like, I'm highly against nepotism, and he seems a nice chap, but he's underqualified, and this whole idea of us sort of uh, trying to romanticise the situation and make it, try and make a Arteta situation out of it, is, is, mm. It's absolutely crazy. <laughs> absolutely crazy. Come on, man. A lot of people He's, don't want to admit that they're comparing the Mason situation to Arteta's at Arsenal, where you, you you definitely are. I think Mason will do a good job between now and the end of the season, but he, he he's just not ready to take on the Spurs job full time. Like, well, yeah, I'm sorry if you, guys, you guys touched on it on on a previous pod in terms of. I think the the thing that gets downplayed is the fact that Arteta was under the wing of Pep Guardiola for a few seasons. Like, yeah, Arsenal was his first job, but ultimately he was learning from the best. He was also given a lot of time to fall on his face and recover from it. And I'm not sure that anymore. Not given the same leeway at all. I don't don't think... uh, Mason can afford another fall, to be perfectly honest, but... That, that's... Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, no, we wouldn't have it at all. If we lost <laughs> some games this season, we sold off our best strike without replacing him and ended up, like, missing out on huge targets or flirting with the relegation zone. There's, oh, Mason would not survive. He would not. And he wouldn't have the tools or know how to to get himself out of it, even if we were to back him. So what I meant, what I meant by that, is, cutting, cutting, having your uh, footballing playing career cut short, and then landing landing a Tottenham Hotspur football club uh, head coach job, and following the same character arc as a flipping Tim Sherwood is probably not the route that you want to go down. I likened him to Tim Sherwood recently, and I got a bit of flack for it. I don't think he's quite as egotistical as him, but he's just giving me some vibes where, okay, yeah, you, you, you're giving yourself a few too many pats on the back. That will just do the job, see the season out, and then precisely go yeah. off, uh, study, get your coaching badges, trust, get the Wrexham job or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then be done with it, my lad. Go 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 and manage whole whole city or something. Like, That's true. <laughs> Spurs, come on, man. <laughs> like, 
Like, I true. do agree with the sentiment. Yeah, let's get a let's get a manager who wants to be here. That's great, but at the same time, they have to be qualified or as handsome as Xavi Alonso. If you're neither one of those two, then you're out. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, not you're out. To, I'm not opposed to Alonso, but personally. What are your uh, final thoughts on that one, Tops? Um, I like, yeah, I think uh, the main qualm I have with um, him is that he's just wholly unqualified for it. I feel like um, he probably needs to find his feet outside of the environment of Tottenham. Um, and like, I, I've looked and I've read quite a bit about Alonso. And again, like I mean, arguably you could even say the same for him. He's just, he's just wholly inexperienced. Um, whilst he's um, improved them, um, he's taken them from relegation and he's taken them into Europe. And I think they're in the semi-final. He, you know, it's, you can't take much from half a season, three quarters of a season, um, and assume the role of a head coach at a a top side in English football. It's completely different. Um, I see, I just think that there just has to be, when it comes to the coaching perspective, there's got to be due diligence. It, it's um, slightly surprising to me. You, you seem like you're against Andrew Slot, where you are very uh, for Ten Hag. What were your kind of main reasons on that one? Um, I think I was for Ten Hag purely because of the brand of football. Um, he was also a bald man, so it can't be that. <laughs> Sorry, Sai. Uh, I, I was very... I, I'll be honest with you, I've been largely infused. I was largely infused by um, Ten Hag's brand of football. Not only for the fact that, you know, they went on that great run and and they, uh, they came up against us, but um, I feel like uh, just the way he emphasised um, the need for technical players, which I think we lack, um, the ability to switch in games, um, which I think we don't do at all, uh, and just a high technical base, which I just don't think we have. Um, and I've and I've watched a few games um, of Arne Slots. I, I watched quite a bit of the game um, in the last round against Roma, and you know. In typical Jose fashion, they absolutely nullified um, any threat that uh, that Arnie Slot's side gave to them, uh, which I was quite surprised because I don't think uh, Roma are particularly incisive. But he used um, he used uh, what's his name Boza. He used uh, Abraham um, really smartly, um, especially in the way that they built, which I just was like. I think even I think you might have even gone to extra time, and in extra time they just fell apart. Which I was, which I was a bit disappointed. But I don't know. I I I need to do some more work. I need to do some more work in, into Andy Scott because he actually looks like a viable option. Um, so I need to kind of th- think more about what he can offer. But I think when I was looking, I've, I watched like a couple of videos, um, and I was like straight off the bat, um, his style is not as expansive. Um, as Ten Hag's was when he was at Ajax, but that's just off the bat. Yeah, off the bat, I get the feeling that he's not as adaptable as Ten Hag, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, 
we've got a game tomorrow. Oh, aka later today, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, tops, I take it you're not going to the stadium. Hell um, no! Cool. It's away. It's away. This is the way. Uh, so, so are you ending your run? Oh, it's at Villa Park, so I don't. I don't have to. Shit! I thought we were at home. What's going on here? Thankfully not. I needed a break. That 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 Crystal Palace performance. Was... <laughs> yeah, it's seen as like a European playoff. Anyway, I'm not even sure if any of us care too much about Europe. Well, if it's Europe, then it's probably going to be Conference League. So it's it's a dicey one. Um, not enough to keep Romain Mundell. Um, <laughs> another talent who. <sighs> I'll just slightly talk on this just before we preview this Villa game, which we'll probably only do briefly anyway. But for me personally, I I don't mind seeing players who probably aren't going to make the first team leave, but we have to at least get a fee for these players. Like uh, Mark and I left for free. He, I I mean, what was he? 21 when he left, wasn't going to break the first team. Should be getting minutes over Lucas Mora, mind, but I can't imagine. Should he be getting those minutes, or should Dan Juma be getting those minutes? Well, Dan Juma is starting to get the minutes now, which is a slot half plus mark for Mason, just for having mm. a bit of common sense in that. I mean, it's his. undone by it's undone by uh. The... <laughs> His last sub, his last sub in the Liverpool Man United games have been his undoings, whereas the rest of his subs have been quite productive. And literally, what we've all been kind of wanting to see is just that, like Tanganga coming on for an attacker, yeah, Lucas Moura coming on playing right wing back, which is what certain someone wanted in here. Um, yeah, that was a long time ago, fella. But no, uh, I would I'd say, <laughs> I'd say with 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 players like Mundo, I don't care. Like, I don't care. I I I get it's like a it's a narrative that we like to um, spin. Like, oh, Spurs are terrible with youth players. Blah blah blah. This kid has not been on anybody's radar, man. Like, let's let's go down the list of players that were on radars. Josh Onoma, remember remember that mm-hmm. one. Where does he play now? To be fair, I don't remember Madiuke being on any radars, and then he's uh, made a nice, nice career path for himself now. Yeah, Madiuke, Madiuke had a bit more more clout. Madiuke and uh, Marcus Edwards; those were the those were the two that sort of had a little yeah. bit more of a bubble. But so. outside of that, it's like, all right, Oliver Skip is getting minutes. Tanganga is in the first team. Mason is our coach. Like, that's enough, man. That's enough. <laughs> Harry Kane is in the green like at Spurs. Like, it, it's, it's fine. You got four right there. Like, but Mundo, like, I, no, no one's, no one's going to sit there and tell me they know one standout performance from Mundo. Like, let's go, but like, we, 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 we heard all the, all the shouts about Jed Spence being the second coming of Christ on that right-hand side for Spurs. We went out, we got Poro, and Emerson started balling out of his mind. <laughs> now, 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 Mr. Mister Oh, 
he creates better chances than Emerson ever did. Can't even get minutes in French league. So again, man, <laughs> we got to chill with this uh, pining over youth talent. When the time is right, it will be right. When they're when they're ready, they will come through. This is what it is. But yeah, man, I, I wish the kid the best. Hopefully, he makes it back to the Premier League. But the likelihood is, is we never hear his name again. And that's that's how football works. And I'd like to be proven wrong, but up until this point. Mm. There's another example as well, actually, which popped up to my mind recently, because we still got the buyback clause, I think, on Dennis Shirkin, who's been performing really well for Sunderland. And we ideally yeah. need someone who can play on the left-hand side and be homegrown and not injured with his hamstrings all season. Um, yeah. That, that's that was a good one. If we've if we've still got that buyback option on someone like him, then I think that's um that's good. Strikin looked good. I, I obviously uh I want uh Ohio's pining over Alfie Devine to come to fruition at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donnelly, yes, definitely looks a, a, a bit more of a player. Yeah. I don't know I don't know what to think about Dane Scholar at this point. I, I don't I don't think he's gonna become any better than Troy Parrott to be perfectly honest. So yeah. there's there's a couple out there, but ultimately again we're relying on 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 scraps at the end of the day, man. Like the fact of the matter is is until Tottenham Hotspur Football Club are in a more stable position in terms of the baseline level that we set for ourselves, having an expectation to see any youth players come in and do anything substantial is very, very slim. Anyone that goes to uh, the games know that every time Oliver Skip misplaces a pass or gets tackled or gets shouldered off the ball, he gets more stick than the likes of Hoybier or even Dyer. It's, it's more audible when Skip loses the ball than when Dyer loses the ball. It's more audible when Emerson loses the ball than when Poro loses the ball. Like, there's there's a weird dynamic. That's interesting. We want some of these guys. We want some of these guys to be successful, and we want a certain profile to be successful until they get an opportunity and they don't bang immediately. And then, like Harry Winks, they get booed out of the club. Like it's nonsense. I don't want any any young prospects, academy prospect, coming through until we actually have a fucking identity. Otherwise, we're just going up shit's creek all over again. Like there's no point to it. There's no point. Yeah, I think my point was um, just only like we have been trying to be the speed tech Chelsea for a little while now and where we actually seem to have good youth teams and they've been winning their their finals. If we're going to lose them, at least get a fee from like, I mean, Chelsea have for some of their products like Tomori went for like a little bit of money, Tammy Abraham, 40 million, like even if we can get like 15, 20 million for some of these um, maybe talents, then it kind of gives us a, a good way of growing, I guess, in the, in a more organic way than we have been. Obviously, we're a self-sustained club without a sugar daddy pumping money in. The other way to make money for your club is to at least make money from player sales and developing players who you've bought young or brought through the academy to then sell on for for profit. Um, but yeah, we haven't even been doing a good job of that at all. 
we've been doing a terrible job, in fact, of doing that the last like yeah, four or five years. It's hard. I think it's hard to to compare to the Chelsea model because there's so many dubious goings on at that football club. Like they they abuse the loan system in a much better way than we do. We loan mm-hmm. out first team players that have been bought from other places from for a lot of money. They loan out players that they've managed to acquire through basically poaching all of the top talent in a six mile radius. So there, there's there's levels to this shit. Do you get me? And and again, I'd I'd love us to to be creative in the way that we generate uh, revenue for the club and and funnel that back into the playing personnel. But ultimately, just get get the basics right, man. Get the basics right. It all comes back to the basics. If there's a pathway into the first team, it will be because we have an identity. We have an infrastructure built around an idea. And then we'll, we maybe see uh, some some prospects come through in the next uh, five to ten years. <laughs> let's, hope. let's hope. All right. Uh, let's wrap this up then. Um, tops, obviously, with the Villa game. Is there anything you care to see us do in this game, players to play in this game, and do you care about Conference League whatsoever? No, don't care about any Conference League. Don't care about any of what they're doing at the moment. We've not won away since January. Um, I think we've conceded 21 and 7 or something like that. I have no faith in anything that is going to happen at Villa Park on Saturday. So it's going to be a nice hot piping L for me. Whew. That was almost a, a big pause there. I thought that was the road you were going down. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good breakout clause, that. Um, okay, so you're you're predicting a loss, is that? Yeah, bro. I think they've wobbled a bit recently, Aston Villa. I think it'll be a 2-2 draw, personally. Um, I, think. I think they the last game they lost um, at home, they lost away to Wolves, um, and they weren't very good, but they've won the last six at home. So, oh, good. Okay, yeah, we might be screwed. We we gave him we gave him a good good slap in last season at Villa Park. But yeah, they, we did. They dumped <laughs> us. They, they dumped us at home this season. Um, to be fair, we've got a decent record against Villa, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if we somehow managed to win a game uh, against opposition that are not that far behind us. Um, but I know controversial to ever want your team to lose. I genuinely, with my whole heart, all four chambers, all 36 if I'm on my uh, Nation of Islam shit, right? I do not want to see the Conference League. I don't know what the <laughs> song sounds like. I do not know what the song sounds like. And Korean- what what what's the color scheme even? Is it green and black or something like that? Yeah, it is it's green or something. <laughs> the only green and blacks I like is is the really expensive uh, cocoa powder. Outside of that, man, leave leave me out of that, man. I don't want it. Just start fresh, hit the reset button, finish tenth. I do not care. Yeah, man. Just don't win unnecessary games and lose all the ones that matter. Like fuck. Is <sighs> no, man. There's absolutely no point. There's just no yeah, point. Yeah. We walk out of uh, Villa Park with some sort of points, unfortunately. Uh, I'll say a, I'll say a draw. Derek, Eric, Eric Dyer to miss out again. 
Yes. Uh, he, he scores. He scores the equalizer. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering how long you'd keep the straight face for after saying that. <laughs> Not very. I know you've um, hey, man. seriously defended Dyer. To be fair, you've defended him well. That. Um, but that runs over. I'm just happy to see Emerson back. Well, I'm just happy to see us put a stop on any team. Like, <laughs> oh shit! I realised someone might make a comeback against Villa. I think um, Mason was asked again about Basuma, and he kind of hinted that he was available. Yeah, he was on the bench against. Squad, uh, anyway. He was he was on the bench against Palace, wasn't he? Hmm. Mm. Seeing Basuma in a progressive role could be interesting. Yeah. But boy, if we get him injured again, I'll be so pissed. Yeah. Nah. I'm not convinced. But but yeah, I'm I'm glad to have been right about Emerson. You see that? Redeemable yeah, qualities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man. At least someone can defend. That's all I'm gonna say, man. At yeah. least someone can defend. I just uh, I just don't want to see Basuma put in a position where if you've seen the score on his foot. I don't want him to be put in a role where he's pussy footing around the pitch <laughs> you mean and not able to make a difference. <laughs> you were waiting for me to be on to get that one off. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was an interesting score. Shout out to ex 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 cast members on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> I have to end the search. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Uh, lads, <laughs> it's, Nasty it's stuff, been bro. fun breaking that down and hopefully dousing out a couple of fires and just bringing reason and logic to, to a meltdown. Um, yeah. Come on, you Spurs. Onwards and upwards. European playoff. Here we come. On debut, Tunge Ondombele has scored the equaliser for Spurs. Lucas Moura clips it. Oh, great goal! Stephen Bergwijn has arrived in North London. That is absolutely incredible on debut. Oh, yay! Sports Social Podcast Network.